Thank you, Paul. And um, that was uh, really informative and interesting for us all, I'm sure. And what I want to talk about um, certainly chimes with the things we've heard about already. But I want to give you a perspective of what it looks like from, uh, from the other side, from the historian's side, of what it's like to get involved um, and what some of the kind of benefits and also pitfalls might be. So I've got some sort of quite practical things to say, but I'll also say something about some of my own experiences. I've um, been involved in various different ways in different kinds of programs, ranging from uh, some of the genres that we've talked about already, sort of classic history documentaries, to um, other uh, um, serials such as um, Air Hunters, which is a daytime uh, um, program, Turn Back Time, Who Do You Think You Are, and sort of various kinds of spin-offs from those kinds of series, such as the recent um, Channel 4 Secrets uh, of the Workhouse. And I've also done some sort of regional current affairs programs, such as Inside Out. Um, it's come over already, I think, that we, we, we can't amalgamate the different kinds of audiences uh, that we speak to as historians. But perhaps it's worth just dwelling uh, for a second on the very kind of segmented nature of the, um, the TV uh, market. And I've done, um, uh, been involved in, in different kinds of programs for all the, all the major channels and also for some um, non-British uh, uh, channels like Al Jazeera. Um, and we need to remember that a lot of the generalizations that we might make about how to do TV history just simply cannot be sustained across all those different kinds of, of channels. The stuff that you will do for BBC One is completely different from what you might do for BBC Four and the kinds of language that you might use. And if you want your, your clip or your input to be, to be used and to be relevant, you need to tailor it according to your sense of what the, what the channel wants and what the commissioner wants, of course. Um, now, in a way, the benefits of uh, getting engaged in this kind of, um, of, of activity are really clear, scarcely, scarcely worth spelling them out, but it's, it's fantastically exciting for us as historians to communicate our research to wider audiences. Um, and it's clear that in doing that, we can enrich the kinds of debates that we have, the big debates uh, and the programming. It's great fun to have your say. It's great fun to explore dimensions of becoming a public intellectual. I think that's a very sort of ill-developed concept uh, in the UK. We don't have the kind of uh, equivalent North American or, or, or French kind of traditions that are maybe more supportive of that role of being a, a public intellectual. But I do think that we're starting to see um, uh, all sorts of opportunities for historians to occupy that space. I think that... Um, what Russell said about um, always interrogating the script um, is incredibly helpful for us in another benefit, perhaps in some ways an unlooked for benefit um, that we get by doing this kind of, uh, of work is that um, getting involved in, in making TV um, history helps us to clarify areas where we may have fudged things or areas where we may not be very clear on what story we're telling. We all know that TV can be very sort of brutally linear in the kinds of storylines that they want to establish and the kind of chronologies they, that they want to work with. But it does us no harm as historians to be forced to clarify where we stand in relation to that. Sometimes we may end up thinking, well, you know, yes, I can see that in a provisional sense this, this, this chronology works for this particular series, but I know that my chronology would look different or I would tell a more complex story. But that's incredibly useful to be forced to think those things through 
And um, it's certainly, when in, in some of the programs I've been working on, some of the hardest questions that I've been asked in my career have come, you know, not from the academic seminars, but from the meetings which I might have with, with producers or, or directors. So that's, that's a real benefit, and, and it reminds us that this is very much a two-way process. It's not just us bringing our riches out there to the public. It's about us getting something in return and enriching our own historical practice. I think that the teamwork element of um, the relationship that you may have with, with radio, with TV, is important, important for us to think about because it's, it's, you know, historians can work in very solitary ways. Uh, we are now encouraged by the research councils to set up networks and to work collaboratively. And those of you who've done that will know both how time-consuming it is, but also how, it, how fun it can be and how you can do more in a team than you could ever do um, individually. I think the same is very much true of your involvement with the media, that you know, working with uh, um, a team on a, on a single series or perhaps having the kind of um, you know, long-standing relation, relationships that Phil was talking about earlier, this stuff gives us a lot, it gives us opportunities. I also think that the kind of TV history um, and radio history that we've seen uh, recently, and obviously History of the World in 100 Objects is a great example of this, um, is actually at the cutting edge of uh, methodological um, questions in history. It's, it's no surprise that um, TV and radio producers have always been excited by objects, by artifacts, um, uh, and material culture as a kind of a way of, of conveying a story excited by its visual components uh, for, for TV. And in a way, I, I found um, that the, the Academy has sort of only been fairly slow to, 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 to take up this challenge of how do we think through material culture? Or how do we think about the senses and the sensory aspects of history? Or um, as, as Russell's clips showed around Nixon, how do we think about um, um, the psyche and subjectivity and the emotions? You know, this is stuff that we, we, we are thinking about in our very latest work, and it's also stuff that can be advanced by doing TV history. So dumbing down just does not capture it at all. My students always write me essays on, you know, does history on, on TV necessarily dumb down? And, you know, unequivocally, the answer is no. You can, you can think through some, some, some complex, difficult stuff by doing um, uh, these kinds of productions. I also think, um, finally, on the kind of benefit side, uh, that working um, in these kinds of productions, public history productions, can often direct our attention and the attention of viewers to the sources and to the complex ways in which we might move from sources to narrative or to theories. This is particularly true for um, uh, television, where you know they're sometimes looking to create visual content because the visual content is not there. You know, there there is no footage of of of, of Nixon or not very much of Stalin or, or, or what have you. Um, and one of the ways they get around that is by you know showing the kind of the discovery, the the work that's done in the archive. Um, and I think this helps us think and foreground our sources and, and, and you know, be open about the kind of the, 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 the nature of that journey. Now, sometimes this is overplayed. I, you've probably all seen productions where historians are presented as a kind of um, uh, forensic scientist, a sort of CSI-type figure, um, uh, you know, work, working in the archive. Um, but broadly, I think it's really important for us to be able to show how history is produced, because it 
allows us to achieve one of the absolute core goals that we have as historians, which is to remind audiences that history is not a collection of facts, but it's an inquiry. It's a process by which we ask questions uh, without necessarily ever coming up with the definitive answer. So those are some of the exciting things that I think it can, it can bring us. Now let's talk about some of the, um, the disadvantages or the challenges. First of all, it's obvious that you have very limited control over the final pro product, particularly true of, of um, TV collaborations. And I often think of my, my colleague, who I won't name, who was the historical consultant for um, um, the disastrous follow-on from the very good Edwardian country house, which some of you may remember from about 10 years ago. And after they made that, that, that production, wall-to-wall um, -wall went on to make Regency House Party. Did anyone see Regency House Party? Yes, it's not good. Um, <laughs> and um, particu particularly jarring and, and sort of problematic was, was the decision to put a black participant into this sort of, it was an upper-class marriage um, narrative. It was terribly contrived. The whole thing was terribly contrived, but the black participant was you know, even more contrived, and they sort of tried to, to, to historically justify it, to make it sound as if it was historically feasible in ways that you know, I just don't think were, were, were feasible. It was, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it was interesting to have a discussion about slavery and, and, and the impact of slavery on, on British society at this point, but actually putting a, you know, a, a, a black young woman into the, into the marriage market just, just didn't work. Um, it was very uncomfortable to watch, and I felt very sorry for my colleague, whose name was there in the credits you know, after, after the end of every episode. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you want your name attached to. So there, there, you know, there can be reputational damage in these things. Second, the whole thing is very, very time consuming. And sometimes the work that you put in, which can be quite extensive, can be recognized in very limited ways or not recognized at all. So for example, um, many of us will have had the experience of being phoned up and asked to comment, asked to give some context um, to somebody who may be pitching a series or, or, or a, a program um, or, or who may have got beyond the commissioning stage and, and maybe actually making this thing. So you talk to them on the phone, perhaps you talk to them for an hour, perhaps you talk to them on a number of occasions. You give them some free tutorials, basically. Uh, and where does it go? Nowhere. Your name doesn't appear. There's no kind of recognition of, of your, your input. Um, and um, uh, the, this, is, this is quite exploitative. Even if you get involved as far as, as, as filming a contribution, perhaps providing some expertise, a bit of, a bit of sync, uh, as, they, as they like to term it, um, this may not make the final edit. Maybe it rained when you were filming and they decided it looked too gloomy. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that what you do will go anywhere. You may find that the presenter or somebody else on, on screen repeats your insights. <laughs> Sometimes I think that can be done in, in unconscious ways. I mean, sometimes you say something clever and, 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 and they absorb it and then they say it back. But you know, the, the, the choice is often to have the celebrity or the presenter or whoever voicing these things. Um, so sometimes I think it's done um, uh, with, with, without any particular intention of, of, of stealing what you're saying. But other times I think it's quite conscious, you know, that they think that sounds good, but it would sound better if it came from, uh, from, this, from this person. And in a world where you've got budgets of sort of, you know, 90 to 250,000 pounds for an hour of programming, even if you're getting paid as a historian, you are going to not feature very highly on the kind of the roster of, 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 of who gets to say what happens. So just be aware of the limits of what you do, set up 
if you can, an expectation of what's going to happen in relation to your input before you actually uh, do all the work. And you know, don't, feel free to have that conversation uh, uh, with the producers. I think uh, in relation to a very specific higher education agenda, if you want your input to lead on to some kind of recognizable, frameable um, impact narrative, and I'm talking very specifically here about the REF agenda and impact, you need to do that as you go in. You need to be aware that you need to frame it according to what difference did my research make to this whole process. And you can't do that retroactively. Retro, um, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to, to show that by going back to these busy people and saying, so just what difference did it make to have me on board? So plan that into your engagements and try and get them um, along the way to talk to you about you know, why they came to you, why your research was significant, and how that makes for a different kind of story. Third, the narrative that you may establish in your, um, your intervention may be unsatisfying. It may lack complexity, uh, and we've talked a little bit about that, and we've seen some examples of you know, the kinds of things that work. Unlikely to be um, uh, able to deal with um, ambiguity. Um, it may be an unsubtle kind of narrative that comes out. Um, I actually think, I mean, the, 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 so we do worry about these, this kind of um, uh, loss of, of nuance. Um, but I actually think that this doesn't necessarily happen. And one of the ways in which you can get more, more subtle um, uh, uh, takes on, on, on the history in there is by recognizing that sometimes um, you know, the presenter may be saying one thing, but the visual cues or the music or the other kind of the, uh, many um, plural elements that go into this kind of um, uh, programming can tell a different kind of story. Um, I, I, in fact, some of my favorite um, you know, uh, t TV history is ones where you do have this kind of um, multiplicity of things going on. Neil Ferguson's War of the World. Um, did exactly that, where you know he does this kind of quite you know tub thumping didactic sort of you know here's my line, but actually visually there's all sorts of other stuff going on. You've got sort of science fiction, um, iconic images. You've got architecture. You've got you've got things telling a complex story there. So yes, it can be hard to get your satisfying narrative across, uh, but don't despair and think in, in kind of in, in innovative broad ways about how that might that might work for a series or, or a program you're involved with. Um, Fourth, um, I think we have already covered this problem of uh, covering the same old topics. Um, and Russell has, has suggested to us that actually, no, there is an appetite for more, uh, a wider range of, of, um, of topics. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, Pam Cox, who we heard from in one of the earlier um, policy impact seminars, has, has done you know, a great job at getting servants um, commissioned and, and now her, her second program on, on shop girls. You know, shop girls is not your, um, you know, Pharaoh to Fuhrer style uh, of history. And I, I, you know, I absolutely agree with Russell. There's a, there, there is a massive appetite for pushing the boundaries. So don't feel that you have to offer something uh, conventional. Fifth, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of wind up here. Um, if you do get involved on, the, on screen, if you're a presenter or if you're um, uh, being filmed, I think there's a risk that you personally become quite central to the story that's being uh, developed, and in ways that can sometimes be quite intrusive. Uh, or as Mary Beard, I think, has, has um, documented so fantastically, can lead you into um, a sort of high-profile public life that also carries other kinds of risks. 
And these are problems that I think are particularly acute for women and to some extent for early career historians. So I'll say a little bit more about that. But I was asked to present a series um, which looked at the working mother. I would have loved to have done it, actually. But I was uncomfortable with the strong focus on me as a working mother. I, I just felt that I couldn't see how these things would come together. I didn't think that my experience should be made central to, um, to the narrative that was being told. Uh, and in the end, I decided um, not, not to go any further with that one. I was recently doing, this is a slightly nicer example, um, something for um, BBC World Service, where I was um, being interviewed to talk about the problems uh, that professional women face in their working lives, providing a historical account, really, of women and work. Uh, I had to bring my son, who was poorly and was off school, um, into the studio, so he was sat in the corner. And um, the, the person interviewing me was really keen that I introduce him and uh, you know, give, give an example of how, you know, yes, me being interviewed here today, but I'm also doing childcare at the same time time. Again, I have to say, I didn't feel comfortable with doing it, partly because I know my son, and I know that should I give him the, the opportunity to be introduced on, on the microphone, anything could happen. So uh, I didn't do it. Um, but you, know, you do need to think about who you are and how you will be um, you know, personally um, uh, under the spotlight. Um, everyone has to make their own sort of peace with this. Pam Cox, again, was partly involved in the Servant series because she had um, grandmothers who were in service. And I thought she trod a very nice sort of fine line between um, acknowledging that she had a personal investment and might feel personally involved and in, in emotionally involved in, in the stories she was telling um, without sort of you know, excessively wringing all the emotional content out of her, um, her offering. Sometimes they, they call, uh, who do you think you are? celebrities crying in the library. You know, <laughs> and that's a, a moment where you, you realize that, um, that your emotional response might be, might be overdone. On this question about um, uh, uh, the, the problems you might encounter, um, I do think there's a tendency, particularly in relation to young historians, to want to sort of put them in jeopardy, you know, to get them into scrapes, to put them on a horse or give them a sword and encourage them to wave it around. And you know, again, you need to think about um, uh, the limits that, that, that you want to set on, on, on that kind of involvement and recognize that, um, that you, you have the right to say no if, if people ask you to do, do these kinds of things that you don't want to do. On, on, on women uh, in, in public life, I do think it's um, uh, a risk you run that um, you know, there, there may be some kind of response, particularly on social media, um, and you need to prepare yourself for that and decide um, how you're going to, uh, to respond should there be issues of that nature. Um, and I also think that um, for younger or for female um, colleagues, you sometimes end up getting patronized. So I um, recently did a, an interview uh, for ITV1 with, I won't say who it was, but with a, a very well-known presenter who was convinced that I was what he called a local girl um, and um, an amateur historian uh, who perhaps was doing family history. And you know, the kind of the film crew, this is during the interview, the film crew was sort of really try, trying to sort of um, uh, um, get him back on, on message, if you like. But you know, there was this real sort of pat on the head feeling to the whole interview um, that um, uh, was, was very unfortunate. So you know, those things can happen and you need to just be aware of, of those risks and, and think about how to um, uh, protect yourself against it and assert yourself professionally in an environment that can sometimes um, not recognize what your contribution is. Now, I think that um, 
in my experience, it is worth making these kinds of uh, compromises around your involvement um, because it's so exciting to weave our research into these kinds of, um, of products. Um, it has its pitfalls, but it has great uh, possibilities, and hopefully we can keep talking about some of the issues there. Thank you.